0: Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene and uh, Meet Me at the Movies right here on WGWG, uh, online, WGWG.org. And if you're uh, watching a a television segment of this, that is C-19 TV. Uh, Each week we do talk movies and on uh, wonderful occasions we get a chance to talk to filmmakers in the industry. And I'm very excited today uh, to have a cinematographer, a longtime cinematographer, uh, Seamus McGarvey, uh, who has uh, wow been involved uh, in the uh, industry for quite a while, and I'm, I'm not putting any age on you, Seamus, but uh, <laughs> you you go back. I mean, you've done music videos for some uh, some of the uh, the most incredible out there, names like uh, Paul McCartney, uh, U2, Elton John, Robbie Williams. Uh, if I'm if I'm incorrect on any of that, please stop me and let me know. Uh, you've also done documentaries, and you've worked on. Uh, Just a ton of feature films, Uh, films, uh, everything from uh, small independent works to period pieces uh, like Anna Karenina, and uh, you've also done uh, big superhero films. People may be familiar with the Avengers. You've done musicals, The Greatest Showman, Uh, and also uh, the the, probably the most stylistic film, uh, the most stylistically pleasing film of 2018 for me. Bad times at the El Royale. Uh, Seamus, thank you for being here.
1: Well, thanks very much for the invitation, Noel. It's nice to talk to you.
0: Well, uh, well, tell me, uh, was there a certain point uh, in your early life that you really felt kind of this calling into the uh, cinematic arts, uh, or was was it something that that happened to you that just kind of said, "Oh, I think I'd like to explore that."
1: Well, it it sort of started with photography, Noel. You know, it, it 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 I wasn't really uh, died in the wool um, cineast as such, because where I grew up in Northern Ireland, in Armagh, Northern Ireland, uh, there wasn't even a cinema in the town at that time, and um, it it wasn't really in my blood, so to speak. But what I did have was a real fascination with photography, and I had a little dark room in my house. Uh, and I used to just wander around the town with my camera and photographing what I saw in front of me, which, you know, at, at times was uh, pretty extraordinary because I grew up in Northern Ireland, at the kind of the in the epicenter of the yeah. troubles, or so. Sort of, you know, yeah. so there was there was plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of stuff to photograph, and uh, it was really just after some years of doing that and working in a solitary way that an art teacher at school said to me, "Do you know you, you might think about." Uh, exploring film, you know, and he handed me a Super 8 camera, a little Super 8 camera, and said, "There's a course." I was thinking at that point of, about going to college, and they said there's a course in London, a film course that that marries still photography and and the moving image. And as part of the application process, you need to make a little film. So here's a Super 8 camera. Go off and make a film. So I went and and did that, and I suppose that that. The bug was in me after that. <laughs> well,
0: do you remember what that first Super Eight film was? That project.
1: I do. I, I still have it, and it is painfully embarrassing. <laughs> in fact, there's a funny little anecdote I could tell if you time. Yeah. But when I went for the interview for this uh, illustrious film col- college in London, Polytechnic Central London, and I got to. Um, make this film three-minute, unedited, you know, just edited in camera. Right. But I, because I didn't know that I'd been taking stills up until that point and shooting horizontally and vertically, turning the camera on its side to to frame in tall objects, I didn't know that cinema was essentially a <laughs> horizontal medium. So it was only when I, at my interview, when in the dark of the cinema they projected my little film and in order to frame the cathedral spires of Armagh Cathedral I turned the camera on its on its side and when it appeared on, on screen it looked like it was some strange comment on the fall of religion and the, 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 the tutors all loved it and as I blushed in the darkness uh, I, I got the I got the entry into the college so it was an epiphany for me but a lucky one
0: Absolutely, that sounds awesome, man. Uh, yeah, it was an artistic statement. That's exactly what it was.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of course. Post film rationalization always helps. It I've does. done that many times.
0: <laughs> well, well. Once you went to uh, film school, uh, did you did you know pretty early on within that that yeah, this was something you were going to pursue as a career?
1: I did actually, because you know, I I, I love what I do. I mean, it's such a, a privilege to be a photographer, to be a cinematographer. I love movies. So there I was, age 17, going into the big city, Bright Lights, big city of London, studying. Instead of uh, studying at a university, something purely academic. Here I was doing a degree in something that I was really passionate about. And it's something that I tell my kids as well. Follow your passions. And uh, I, uh, to that end, I really enjoyed my time at college I worked hard at it. I'd found my metier, my calling uh, in cinema, in photography, and it was just the most invigorating and exciting time of my life, I think, actually, because not only was I studying this uh, art form and learning so much, and we had great tutors who would visit us and teach us uh, about photography and cinematography, but I was also in in a big city, imbibing in in culture and cinema and I worked at a, a local cinema and Institute of Contemporary arts as a sort of projectionist and ticket usher and uh, all that meant that I was just Soaking up uh, the history of cinema and yeah. contemporary cinema, independent cinema, and it was just—I was so excited to be there—and I've I've never lost that enthusiasm for the art form.
0: I, I think the importance uh, of understanding the history of cinema is probably um, understated for for many. Uh, I mean, I talked to to film students today who uh, are studying to kind of be film critics and maybe uh, try mm-hmm. to understand the art form of it. And I always say you really need to know where cinema came from in order to appreciate where it is now. Um, do you still feel mm-hmm. that that's incredibly important uh, to to let these, uh, these budding kind of film scholars or, or film students or even uh, those that are going into the film industry to look back to where we came from?
1: I think it's really important it's important because it, it shows that film, with the best examples, is an art form. It shows uh, that it's a distinct art form. It's very different to to making pictures, making stills. It's 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 a unique, peculiar uh, way of expression, and and also the. When you study the history of cinema, you just see such diversity in the practice. Right. And that's very exciting that you can see how different directors, different uh, directors of photography, shoot in entirely different ways and lead an audience to feel a particular way about a story by the way they decide to frame or or the mise-en-scene, the, the way they put together or edit their films. This is all hugely exciting when you realise, okay, you study the history, but yet it is still such a young art form. Yes. Uh, yes. It was much more to 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 develop and 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 to learn, and I, I love that when I see. Uh, short films. I've just been at the Camera Maj uh, Film Festival in Poland on the short jury, and it was just extraordinary to see the this uh, the verve and ingenuity and experimentation going on in short films and films coming out of film schools at the moment that are very different to in, in my era. You know, thirty years ago when I was at uh, more when I was at film school. Um, and it's just these are a new generation telling stories with a camera, with eloquence, and that's the thing. They're learning to use the medium in their own distinct ways, and that uh, that's to me very exciting. I I teach at film schools regularly, and I I get such inspiration from meeting students and and seeing how they tell their stories. Yeah. In their own distinct ways.
0: Yeah, and, and it does have to start with a story. It's got to start with, with exactly with something visual that has a, a conflict that will bring in an audience, and uh, that can be done mm-hmm. just completely visual. It can be done with uh, with dialogue. It can be done in so many different ways. But you've got to have that story. You've got to have that that foundation. And film festivals are absolutely uh, amazing opportunities to explore. Uh, the art of indie cinema, that uh, that not everybody gets a chance to do. Now we're fortunate that technology has allowed us to have online film channels that uh, you know twenty twenty plus years ago we didn't have this, um, but it's also allowed uh, people access to. Uh, I mean, you talk about recording on your you know your Super Eight, uh, you know your in camera mm-hmm. editing. I mean now you can record on an iPhone and, and edit it all right there. Um, yeah. The technology advancements have provided opportunities that I think uh, those who really want to get into the art, for the sake of loving the art, can do it so much easier now. How has technology continued to help you to expand your art form?
1: Well, it's a, that's a great question. It it you know it essentially, as you said, starts with the story, but certainly. The, the the advances and the leaps forward in digital technology uh, has provided an accessibility that has really uh, democratized the 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 art form yes. and that's very exciting because stories can be told by anyone with with a, a, a handheld phone or a, or a, a, even stills camera have the ability to record four K video so many of them um, this is very exciting for me working on on feature films we're as a cinematographer we're cinematographer we're very lucky to be able to still have the option of shooting either on film or on digital and both have distinct properties and attributes which i i love exploring um and so it's it's sometimes with in the digital realm for instance i've i've relished the the ability to shoot in much lower light and that has many advantages in in terms of uh, the comfort of an actor in, in a particular scene that they're not boiled by heavy big lights that I might have used on film, yeah. but also the ability to to roll longer takes uh, for for certain scenes that that require a sensitivity whether it 's a love scene or whether it's even working with animals or or or, or children that the, the, all the hullabaloo and, and the 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 activity the the kind of uh, the mechanics of of shooting right. uh, on a film can can be can be disruptive. Yes so the, the, these are all things that I have seen that that are are useful in in the digital realm also there are things I miss about film because shooting on film has a a routine like a, a regimen that you're very the, the 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 set becomes almost a sacred area, and there's a very definite decision now we're going to commit this to film, and there's a respect and a, a you know for that time that tiny time in the inner sanctum of a set. That that allows for tranquility and things to happen magically and uh, appear on film. It's almost an alchemical uh, process, but uh, there there are great attributes to both. And at the moment, we're in this lovely merger confluence of of the media, which uh, which uh, you know allows allows us some choice.
0: Yeah, I, I and I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to go to theaters and see films that are shot. In film, and you look at it, you're like, "Wow, okay, that is film." And then others that are shot in just amazing digital. I, I, I think yeah. um, I, I think you really did hit on it. We're in this incredible time that we're able to experience uh, the, the best of, of, of both of those worlds, and uh, and and why they matter to to different people. And for those of us who have been around long enough, um, you know, we can look at. Uh, the screen and and we can know uh, by the way something looks or the way that something is presented that okay here's how that was shot and and I love that I absolutely love that yeah Uh, and let's go back to uh, when you were in film school and once you started getting work was there one project uh, that you felt that that clicked with you that you said okay my passion is realizing itself now, and I'm not going to look back. Was there one project or a series of projects that happened for you that you knew this was where you were headed, and, and the uh, the road was going to be pretty uh, pretty nice somewhere down the road?
1: <laughs> well, I think I always, uh, when I speak to students, I'm always very clear to say, look, the the road is it can be rocky, right. but uh, once you get on that road. Um, and you're, you you have some perseverance, and if you're buoyed up by the by the love of of, of, of cinema, then it'll carry you through the times when you're not working or, or you haven't got a job that inspires you. But there was something that really kind of prompted a, a deep down uh, love of cinema for me, and I, I wasn't even the, the director of photography on these films, but. I worked as a camera assistant on a a few of Derek Jarman's films, and Derek was, he's sadly gone now, he died uh, many years ago now, but he was an inspirational, that's uh, not too big a word, a genius and an inspirational filmmaker who had a a kind of an almost anarchic abandon with the camera, and, and his sets were such great fun to be on, uh, yet he he came to cinema with with a really uh, unique artist's eye and mind, and his films uh, are, are, are very lasting and uh, have influenced many filmmakers in here now. Um, so being on his sets was a real uh, privilege and, and witnessing a film, a master filmmaker like that at work, and a man who gave... Many uh, filmmakers, their big break in, in cinema, like Sandy Powell, the, the great costume designer, was a student at St. Martin's College, and Derek was walking down the street in London and saw her end-of-year show and said, do you want to come and, and design Caravaggio, you know, his his, his film? Or, you know, Carith Evans or John Mabry, all these filmmakers who have gone on to greater things. Uh, started, got their first break with this wonderful man, Derek Jarman. Um, so th- that was, I never, f- when when I feel flat on a film set and, or I'm not feeling the inspiration, I always remember the exhilaration. I used to feel like charging after Tilda Swinton down a Shingle Beach with my little Super 8 camera <laughs> shooting the, the Garden, his film The Garden. Or, you know, uh, all every day was, was absolutely vividly exciting. And I've never really forgotten that it's, it's always been a touchstone creative touchstone for me throughout my career. Um, and then, you know, there've been other films as well that have been creatively rewarding from a, a photographic point of view, because I've, I've been at the helm, if you like, of the, of the, the photography. Um, there are a few like that, um, like Mike Nichols I worked with on a, on a TV project called Wit with Emma Thompson and Harold Pinter it it had great silences and it, it he taught me about about uh the modesty of of a camera you know that cinema has a tendency to be symphonic and bombastic, and uh, God knows i 'm very guilty of that in certain films i 've done like Godzilla and yeah. Avengers or the greatest showman, which demand that kind of symphonic approach but um, he told taught, taught me about like a, a, a measured perspective with the camera and allowing performance to to sing through the camera and and to have an almost uh, uh, ghostly eye on proceedings with the camera that that, that had a, a gentle touch. I, I, every filmmaker I work with that has taught me, um, who has taught me, uh, you know, distinct approaches, has has left marks on on me creatively that I, I, I am so grateful for um, because ev- I'm a different cinematographer with every single director I work with. And uh, that's what's really exciting as I move from one project to the next, that there's always a fresh cinematographic challenge and I kind of uh, have to, it's like photographic Pilates really. You have to sort of stretch into (laughs) a new story with a new director and a new team. um, and there's something really invigorating about that. It's, it's my workout, creative workout.
0: Well, that, that's something that I was going to mention, and I love that you, you you talked about that. Was the versatility of visual styles? I mean, I look at uh, nocturnal animals, and then I look at you mentioned the greatest showman, and then I look at the Avengers, and um, you know, can even uh, go and look at, uh, at at Godzilla, as you mentioned, uh, and even going back to World Trade Center. I mean, there there are right. there are so many different visuals that if I did not know that it was the same cinematographer, I would not know it was the same cinematographer. And uh, there are certain uh, directors of photography, cinematographers out there that you see, and you notice trademarks almost every time. You're like, okay, I know who that is. Ooh, I know who that is. Yeah. And um, how are you able to do these Pilates, as you say, and stretch yourself and, and find a way to recreate visually something that, um, that challenges you? Because uh, it, it is easy to kind of get into a, a pattern or into a, a formula, but, but, but you do not seem to have this specific formula. And I, and I really love that about what you're doing.
1: Well, thanks for that. That's, that's a compliment, Noel. But if I should say that if you saw me now, you'd recognize that my Pilates only extends <laughs> to the cinematographic kind. But, <laughs> but um, the, yeah, it's a good way of putting it, because really every time I read a script, uh, the, the pictures kind of leap off the page to me, sometimes more than others. Sometimes Some scripts are very... Uh, Dictatorial, if you like, photographically speaking, and and and, but if they're written in a in a gentler way, your imagination kind of engages with the story. And usually, you know, the, the films are made from a writer's imagination. Films are conceived from a writer's imagination who is picturing these stories in his or her her head. So, um, as I read it, these images kind of percolate upwards th- off the page into your imagination and you kind of collide with them and merge with them. So ultimately that provides, if, if you're properly sentient and thinking about the images that are coming to you, they're inevitably a collaboration with someone else's imagination and that provides the distinction between the projects. Uh, in, in fact, in, it, it insists upon it Um, And I I like that. You know, some directors I work with are more visual than others. For instance, Joe Wright, with whom I worked on many films, but Atonement and Anna Karenina um, were, well, they were Oscar nominated for for, for cinematography for me, which was a great uh, honor. But um, he, Joe, is a very, very visual director and and we have we have great fun kind of tabling all our ideas and our our cinematographic notions and how we will shoot stuff and working with storyboards and really conceiving the film as a visual uh, you know story with 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 images that are used like words or you know that that there's a, a cohesion to the words That's right. Joe's big thing that that the words should have. The pictures should have an eloquence, as eloquent as as a writer would use uh, words and sentences. Yeah. So um, that those are that's a, an approach that that I'm very keen on, and which I try to tell students who I work with about thinking into the picture and not just. Uh, making things glossy or spectacular because photography is capable of that, and, and things can look great, but they can be at odds with meaning yeah. and, uh, and with story.
0: Well, well talk about um, you talk about meaning. Um, talk about the meaning of light and and color uh, and what you do and and how that helps you to tell the story visually.
1: Well, uh, working with light, it, it's it's. In real life, it's such an expressive uh, medium. I mean, not medium. It's not a medium. It's an element. Uh, it's. It's. And I, I spend a lot of time daydreaming and looking at light. I'm sitting here in New York looking out a window. It's a beautifully gray day. It almost reminds me of Tonally of Ireland where I grew up. Everything's in shades of grey. There's no vivid colour. There's nothing saturated. It's actually a state of light that, that I lean towards in when I'm trying to recreate it. I really love that. It, it reminds me of Ireland. that also films that I love. Like uh, I live in Sweden now, uh, so I love Bergman. And Sven Nixist, who shot a lot of Bergman's films, uh, Had a, it was masterful with the use of soft ambient light. Um, but, and, and you can go to the other extreme and create, you know, I love more theatrical approaches, for instance, on The Greatest Showman, when I, I worked on that film, um, we had a chance to work with more, uh, bombastic yes. theatrical approaches and, yes. and, that applied to the camera movement as well. The, the camera had to be kinetic and carousel-like and circus-like, and it had to have that kind of uh, whiz-bang approach that I, I kind of criticized earlier in the question. <laughs> but um, th- then there are other films like Anna Karenina, which which again have a theatrical bent to them. Uh, but uh, Joe and I really thought out the, the the transitions between scenes and, and built theatrical cinematographic devices that would would almost have this kind of uh sort of music box feel like almost uh like a little wind-up handmade uh faberge of a yes, of a film yes, yes, so yes. so those are things everything is possible that's that's the great thing that Derek Jarman taught me um that we we have such uh, a, a young art form, and and with room for for our imaginations as as creative people to to let loose on it, uh, and and that's something that that always inspires me.
0: Well, I will say that a highly imaginative film, both in story and in visuals, Bad Times at the El Royale. It was just it was mesmerizing to watch that oh. film unfold and uh, the the subtleties in the visuals in the lighting in the color uh in the shot selections um I say the subtleties but also the specifics it was just it was brilliant and talk a little bit about that particular film and your approach to that because uh it's a it's a a different kind of period film
1: well, I'm so happy noel that that you saw the film that you liked it uh, it it kind of faltered a little at the box office, and I, I really hope that it finds a, a bigger audience eventually. I, I know it will, because I, I really believe it's a special film. And from the very moment that I started talking to Drew Goddard, the director, about the film, uh, I knew that that it was going to be special. It was going to be special because it had a, a lot of thought put into it from the writing and from the design. Martin West was the designer. And Drew, from the get-go, Drew said, let's shoot this on film, let's shoot this using anamorphic lenses, and I was totally behind that. We wanted a kind of a textural uh, tangibility to the to, to the very material to the, the film. Uh, we wanted to feel the, the grain of the film stock, we wanted the colours, we wanted the darkness, which is a, 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 a crucial element in the film, to feel visceral and and uh, and profound, yeah. so you know we 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 opted for film and, and Fox. The producers were really up for that as well, which is kind of unusual these yeah. days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and and off we went. And we thought very carefully about color and color signatures to each character in the film, uh, and 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 built up a kind of a little portmanteau of uh, chapters that that were almost color coded uh almost like cluedo or something <laughs> in the yeah. so it it, it it had that sort of uh episodic quality yes. to it that, that there were chapter headings w- within the film and uh we had such a great time doing it again it was a film that was we built a set. Martin West, the designer, built a set all indoors, which had nighttime, daytime, rain effects, lightning, all these things that we could do and control. We shot it in Vancouver during a very, very cold winter last year, and uh, it was—I it, tell you—it was great to be producing rain and being able to switch it off at the end of a take, <laughs> and and to be in a, a relatively warm studio yeah. environment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, that was a really fun shoot uh, to do, and I, I just hope that it, it uh, reaches the audience it needs.
0: Well, I, I think it will. I, I really do. I think as we uh, look at awards season, and uh, I think we're going to be hearing more from, from that movie, absolutely. Well, uh, Seamus McGarvey, our guest here on Meet Me in the Movies and Cinema Scene, uh, any, uh, any thoughts on uh, projects you're currently working on that you'd like to share uh, with our audience?
1: Well, I'm I'm in prep uh for uh, a Disney film at the moment, Pinocchio, which uh I I can't really uh, say much about. Uh they, they they make you sign all these non disclosure agreements. <laughs> right, right. But that's we're gonna we're gonna shoot that in, in London next year. Uh that's a really exciting project which is being directed by Paul King who who directed Paddington
0: Yes.
1: one and two. Yes, yes. Uh, so so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I've, I've done a little bit of prep on that so far, but uh, that's that's my next project, which will probably take most of uh, 2019 to, to shoot. Well, we're
0: looking forward to that when we get a chance to, to see that as well. And uh, any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with our audience about, uh, about cinema or cinematography?
1: Well, I would just say to any audience members, who are you know students or or, or kids who are at, at college who who are thinking about a career in cinema? I would say to them, I, you will know if 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 that's the path you should take because you'll feel it in your bones, in your waters, as my mother used to say, um, and and. When if you do feel that, then grasp the nettle and go for it, and go for it with with all the energy you have and all the passion you have for the art form. Pick up a camera, you can shoot, shoot, shoot uh, at everything around you. Keep looking at natural light, keep looking at paintings, keep looking at at uh, the world around. Not only films and film history but the world around you that's what will inspire you and that's what will distinguish uh the stories that you'll tell because they'll be told from your unique perspective and your eyes and brain and and that is what will create a, a wonderfully burgeoning uh cinema culture when people tell stories that are from their own perspectives and, and from their own places, that that and share them with the rest of the world.
0: Seamus, I think that lesson, that message, uh, will resonate with anyone, no matter what age they are. Follow those passions. Thank you so much again for being our guest here on Cinema Scene. It's been a, a real pleasure and a real honor to spend time with you today.
1: Well, lovely to talk to you too, Noel, and uh, and uh, good good luck with everything.
0: Till next time, I'm Noel T Manning the Second, and you've been listening to Cinema Scene and Meet Me at the Movies. Seamus McGarvey, uh, incredible filmmaker, cinematographer, director of photography, right here on C19 TV and WG WG. Till next time, I'm Noel T Manning the Second. That is a wrap.